Welcome to the Climate Report on Forward Radio, WFMP 106.5 FM, Louisville. This is Hart Hagen, your host, and we are on episode number 213. Today's topic is Bernie's Green New Deal, Part 15. The Climate Report is a daily radio show and podcast that asks the question, WTF? Who's running the world and why do they want to ruin it for the rest of us, including their children? Is that messed up or what? The Climate Report is a thorough examination of how to solve the problem of climate change. And the Climate Report is also your definitive source for information and analysis related to the Green New Deal. If you have any questions related to the Green New Deal, please email info at theclimatereport.net. So on the Climate Report, we question everything we've ever been taught about American politics. We question everything we've ever been taught about American economics. And we question everything we've ever been taught about American culture. The views expressed here are those of the speaker and no one else. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please email info at theclimatereport.net. So what we're doing here is going over Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal. The Green New Deal was originally released by the Green Party in 2008. After that, fast forward to 2019, when Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez made the Green New Deal a, if not a household word, certainly a word that is well known among people who follow American politics. And then, in the meantime, there was also a Green New Deal put forth by the Democratic Socialists of America. And now, Bernie Sanders has his own version of the Green New Deal. Now, Here's one thing that Bernie said. He was asked, what is the greatest national security threat to the United States? And as we know, the greatest national security threat is supposed to be China or Russia or, you know, some of the real security threats, although they might not be at the top of the list, are supposed to be Cuba Venezuela, Nicaragua, North Korea, Iran. Iraq was a security threat to the United States until we crushed them. Libya was a security threat to the United States until we crushed them. Syria is thought to be a security threat to the United States. That's why we are in the process, we meaning our military, our CIA, our president, are in the process of crushing uh, Syria because it is thought to be a threat to the national security of the United States. But Bernie Sanders was asked, what is the greatest national security threat of the United States? He said climate change. And he is right. He is right that climate change and more generally ecological devastation is the greatest threat to our species. And what could be more important? So in, you know, American culture is much more totalitarian and much more Orwellian than we have been led to believe. 
and as such we have been told things and then we have been taught things that just aren't true. The purpose of our military, for example, is to make money for rich people. The purpose of our military is not to keep us secure or safe. If you want to know the purpose of something, look at the effect. So is the effect of the American military to make us safer? No. Uh, it, It makes us, if anything, it makes us less secure, more vulnerable to terrorist attack, which is is not really a a serious threat. In the scale of things, it's not a serious threat. Somewhere between 30,000 and 40,000 people die in the United States every year because they lack access to quality health care. So 3,000 people died on 9-11. That was tragic. But 30,000 people die every year because they lack access to quality health care. And that is only one of the things that systemically kills people. So which is a greater threat to the security of the people of the United States? Is it terrorism or is it lack of access to adequate health care? If, if, the, if the answer to that is measured in, in the number of preventable deaths, then the then the answer is, you know, lack of access to quality health care is clearly a greater uh, threat to the security of the people of the United States. So that's one of the reasons Bernie came out with his Green New Deal is that this, the, uh, you know, climate change is a threat to the security, to the actual security of the people of the United States. So let's continue reading through this. We're going to pick up where we left off last time. Last time, we were in a section called, we're going to invest in resilience and justice. So we want our policies to prevent climate change, or at least keep keep the warming down as low as possible. But we already, we not only want to prevent climate change, we want to provide for resilient communities. We want to adapt our communities to the effects of climate change. So, uh, and in that regard, as president, Bernie will, A, create a climate justice resiliency fund. And item three under that is within the climate justice resiliency fund, we will establish an office of climate resiliency for people with disabilities. The office will be led by people with disabilities to ensure that nationwide the needs of people with disabilities are consistently addressed during the adaptation planning and that those efforts are coordinated through the federal government. So there's going to be a special office of of climate resiliency for people with disabilities. Now, my head swims a little bit when I think about this because disabilities have many different forms. You know, you have um, you have things like asthma creates limitations. Uh, you have disabilities due to injury. You have disabilities that make someone uh, not, uh, have to walk, have to maybe get around in a wheelchair or walk with a walker. You have uh, disabilities related to mental capacity. So no doubt the Office of Climate Resiliency will be led by people, by you know, multiple people with disabilities. So it, one thing that's going on here is that you start by taking care of the most vulnerable. 
but you don't impose your will on people with disabilities. If people are visually impaired, then you collaborate, then you let people with the visual impairment tell you what they need. Uh, So it's this whole big thing. So let's go on to item B. As president, Bernie will rebuild America's crumbling infrastructure. So there are many, 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 many items underneath uh, rebuilding crumbling infrastructure. So let's see what these items are. Item number one is repair, okay, rebuild America's crumbling infrastructure. I'm going to read this paragraph. It says, in order to remain resilient to the climate impacts we know are coming, we must repair our crumbling infrastructure. Our outdated and dangerous national infrastructure is not ready to withstand impacts like floods, hurricanes, or wildfires. Bernie has introduced legislation to rebuild America's aging drinking water and wastewater infrastructure. So the word infrastructure can mean many different things. And uh, what does it mean here? When I hear infrastructure in this context, I think of things like roads, bridges, railways, things that relate to transportation. And I also think about water, drinking water, and also wastewater. So transportation, drinking water, and wastewater. So let's see what Bernie has planned for these items. Number one, repair the nation's water systems. Flint, Michigan still does not have clean drinking water. Communities all over the country from Denmark, South Carolina, to rural Iowa, are faced with similar dangerous contamination such as lead, diseases, or other toxic pollution like PFAS. So I looked it up, and PFAS is an acronym that stands for polyfluoroalkyl substances. These are man-made chemicals that are widely used for their properties such as being resistant to heat, water, and oil. So, it says Bernie introduced the Water Act, which would provide up to $34.85 billion, so almost $35 billion for the following things. So, the Water Act uh, is a, W-A-T-E-R is an acronym, I don't know what it stands for, but it's going to provide for these things. The Clean A, the Clean Water State Revolving Fund Program, the Drinking Water State Revolving Fund Program, the new grant program to address lead in school drinking water improvements, a new grant program for re- residential septic systems, funding for non-point source management programs, pollution control programs, household water well systems, technical assistance to rural, small, and tribal systems for drinking water systems, technical assistance to rural, small, and tribal systems for wastewater systems, a report on affordability, discrimination, and civil rights violations, public participation in regionalization, and data collection, So it goes on and on with about 20 different uh, funding for 20 different programs. 
bottom line, cleaning up water takes money. And uh, there's a long list of, I'm sure, worthy programs here. But we're going to get back to the idea that government is capable of doing things. Not least of all, government is capable of doing things for people. It is pathetic and uh, shameworthy that we have gotten to the point where we've been brainwashed by people who say government can't do anything. Mainly, uh, and, and meanwhile, government is doing things to uh, enrich the very rich. It's like the purpose of government today is to enrich the very rich. And when, you know, when Bernie Sanders comes out with this Green New Deal, which has a price tag of over $16 trillion, it's like all the corporate media can talk about is how much it costs. They don't want to know uh, what it does. They don't want to know that it's an investment. They don't want to know anything about anything that relates to helping people. Because the purpose of the corporate media is to uh, perpetuate government policy that enriches the very rich. That's the purpose of the corporate media. And that's the purpose of government in the world in which corporate media operates. The purpose of government is to enrich the very rich. That's why we're always talking about threats. Uh, That's why they're always cultivating in our minds the false notion that we're supposed to be afraid of Russia, afraid of China, afraid of what Iran might do to us, afraid of terrorism, because that's how you keep people cowed. That's how you keep people consenting to paying you a lot of money is to keep them afraid and create false threats and make people think that you're going to do them a good turn and you're going to protect them. But it's more like protection money that the mob hits you up for. They're taking your money and they're not doing anything but making your life miserable. We need to move to a different system where the purpose of government is actually to help people. Continuing under the part where we're talking about rebuilding America's crumbling infrastructure, it says we're going to build resilient, affordable, publicly owned broadband infrastructure. So here's the thing about broadband, and here's the thing about Internet. Internet, I see, this is what I think, and a lot of people think this, uh, and that is that the Internet is a public, should be owned by public utilities. The Internet should not be owned. We should not be paying our Internet bill to a private corporation because, for one, you know, private corporations make money make lots of money three different ways. I I, I say Wall Street is inherently rapacious. The money on Wall Street is not earned. It is, Wall Street is parasitic. Wall Street corporations are parasitic. When I say Wall Street corporations, I'm talking about those ones that are traded on the stock exchange. So if a company I mean, like McDonald's and Starbucks and Home Depot and Taco Bell, all these are owned by publicly traded companies. And I say they are parasitic, Uh, not least of all the companies that own our Internet. Here's another thing that I say that I was getting to, and that is the money represent the wealth represented by stock ownership is fundamentally ill-gotten gain. It is not earned. It is ill-gotten 
gotten gain. It is basically, it's more theft than anything. So when we say that a ham, a McDonald's sells a $5 hamburger, according to Raj Patel, that $5 hamburger, the true cost of it is $200, according to Raj Patel in the book called Stuffed and Starved. So if it's true that that $500 hamburger really costs $200, but McDonald's is not paying that $200 cost, if they were paying that $200 cost, they could never afford to sell a hamburger for $5. They would have to sell it for $200. And of course, nobody can afford to pay $200 for a hamburger. So, um, so that's why I say that publicly traded corporations, the stock value of publicly traded corporations is, is represents theft more than something that they actually earned. And they're stealing in three different ways. For one thing, they're uh, you know, taking natural resources that they, without paying them back. And for one thing, they exploit nature. For another thing, they exploit labor. And the third thing is they exploit government. And that's what I'm talking about. Whenever a corporation makes a profit from the internet, they are exploiting government because the government invented the internet. And uh, so that's one reason why the internet should be managed by public, um, should be managed by publicly owned utilities, not by private corporations who simply exist to enrich those who are already rich. So it says here, we're going to build resilient, affordable, publicly owned broadband infrastructure. It says that internet access and communications are key in the wake of a disaster. In order to ensure that communities get the help they need, we will provide $150 billion in infrastructure grants and technical assistance for municipalities and states to build publicly owned and democratically controlled cooperative or open access broadband networks. This communications infrastructure will ensure first responders and communities are ready to deal with the worst climate emergencies. So the only way the government is going to do that, the government, well, it shouldn't give money so that uh, so that private corporations can then reap the profits. If you put that kind of money, uh, if, if you give municipalities and states the money for building internet infrastructure, then you need for that to be publicly owned. It's going to be publicly owned, publicly controlled, and publicly managed, democratically owned, controlled, and managed. Next, item D under what we're going to do for rebuilding infrastructure, we're going to increase funding for roads. Now, I'm not terribly enthusiastic about increasing funding for roads. Um, I think roads should be repaired, but they should not be expanded or widened. And the principle there is no new internet, no new infrastructure, no new fossil fuel infrastructure. So the principle is no new fossil fuel infrastructure. So you're not going to build new roads, and you're not going to widen roads. And the principle behind no new fossil fuel infrastructure, when you build new infrastructure, you're expecting it to last 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. 
we don't want to invest. We don't want to be locked in to a commitment of using fossil fuel infrastructure. So we want to build no new fossil fuel infrastructure. We have a 10-year window of time to completely change the amount of carbon that we emit into the atmosphere. We don't need to be building new fossil fuel infrastructure. We don't need to be building new roads. We might want to repair some of our, we probably want to repair some of our roads. That makes sense, but not one thin dime to make a road wider. Not one thin dime for new roads, please. So it says here, but, you know, Bernie has a different idea about this, so let's see what he says. We're going to increase funding for roads. Our national roads and highway system is crumbling. That's why Bernie's Rebuild America Act provides $75 billion for the National Highway Trust Fund to improve roads, bridges, and other transportation infrastructure in the United States and another $2 billion for other surface transportation needs. I honestly do not understand why he's not talking more about um, about trains. Maybe he will in the future. So item D says we will repair freight and passenger transportation networks. This plan ensures that our freight transportation is fully renewable by 2030 at the latest. But to ensure the safety of those transportation networks, the Rebuild America Act provides $5 billion for TIGER. I don't know what TIGER means in that. TIGER grants um, projects that build or repair critical pieces of our freight and passenger transportation networks that are located in rural areas. So that may or may not refer to trains. Let's go on to the next one. Item F, build the 7.4 million, build 7.4 million million affordable housing units to close the affordable housing gap across the country and guarantee safe, decent, accessible, affordable housing. We will greatly expand the National Housing Trust Fund to build the units necessary to guarantee housing as a right to all Americans. So we're going to guarantee housing as a right, and we're going to build housing so as to make housing affordable, because to some extent housing the availability of affordable housing is a function of supply and demand. So... It says here we're going to repair and modernize public housing, including making all public housing accessible, conducting deep energy retrofits of all public housing, and providing access to high-speed broadband. We will also ensure that public housing has quality, shared community spaces to ensure every public housing complex has the capacity to serve as a community resilience center. So when it says community resilience center, uh, what does that mean? I don't know, but it probably means you have the ability to take in people who are more vulnerable. You probably means having Uh, places where people can go for social services. 
item G. We're going to retrofit our public infrastructure to withstand climate impacts. Beyond repairing our existing crumbling infrastructure, we must ensure that our public highways, bridges, and water systems are ready for climate impacts we know are coming. We will invest $636.1 billion in our roads, bridges, and water infrastructure to ensure that it is resilient to climate impacts and another $300 billion to ensure that all new infrastructure built over the next 10 years is also resilient. So let me, let's talk about this just a minute. So, you know, big corporations like Amazon, uh, you know, what, what I keep hearing is that Amazon made $10 billion in profits and didn't pay anything in taxes. So why should Amazon pay taxes? For one reason, you know, if we're going to build, a, Amazon uses our roads every day in a big way. So is it going to use our roads and not pay taxes to keep those roads in, in, in shape? What about UPS? What about Federal Express? Are these big corporations going to use and use and use and use our roads and not pay for them to be upgraded and repaired. It's, it's silly to think these corporations should not have to pay their fair share of taxes. So they should pay taxes for purpose of collecting the revenue and doing good things with the money, but they should also, some of them should be taxed out of existence. Some of them should be, should, should have like 90% taxes on all net income. For one thing, if they have that, then the stock value will go down and we need for that stock value to go down. And another thing about it is that these big companies are just too powerful. So we need to discourage bigness by taxing, by a stiff tax on high incomes. Wealth is dangerous. Too much money in too few hands is dangerous because too much money in too few hands is the power to make war. It's the power to make, buy our government and it's the power to make our government ignore the real threats and uh, it's the power to make our government and the people focus on fake threats. Too much money in too few hands is dangerous. Now, what did I mean when I said the stock value of these companies should go down? Well, especially, I mean, the simplest example is like banks and fossil fuel companies, both of which need to be nationalized. So if you nationalize, that means the government buys the company, the government takes over the company. It's easier for the government, and when they take over the company, they have to pay the fair value of the company's stock. Well, if they're going to take over the company, if the taxpayers have to pay the value of the stock for that company, well, they first need for the stock price to go way, 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 way down. And that's fair and right and good and legitimate because these fossil fuel companies, the top, the top five companies, collectively made a trillion dollars in profits over a 10-year period, according to the Off Fossil Fuels Act. So they made that much in profits. How do they do that? By making the rest of us sick, by putting on our entire species at risk. Do you think that trillion dollars belongs to them, or does it belong to us? It belongs to we, us, the people. It belongs to the government because they just 
uh, you know, on, under tort theory. I mean, they, they've, they've, they've injured us through their negligence and through their, uh, even maliciously, they have injured us intentionally, negligently, maliciously injured us and put our entire species at risk. That's more than enough reason to confiscate their profits and to confiscate their stock. And that's all I have to say about that. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, please email info at theclimatereport.net. It is about, time is about up. We're going to pick up next time where we left off this time. Have a great day. Bye now.